What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Denim Dungeon, a 49ers podcast sponsored by El Jefe Tequila. As you can see there, my co-host is decked out in El Jefe gear. I am Brian Rennick, a writer and editor at 49ers Web Zone, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow contributor, my co-host, but most importantly, my hetero life mate, Tim Spring. <laughs> Tim, it is a post-draft Monday. The Giants play the Dodgers tomorrow night. I'm repping the uh, Rivercats uh, hat right now, the alternative hat. Man, life is good. I was, uh, I was, I had quite the weekend. I know that you did as well. Uh, but we are here to talk 49ers weekend. How'd you think it went? I went, went all right. There were ups and downs, I think. Uh, I think there were reaches. I think there were some. Some good picks uh, in some later rounds, some great undra- or undrafted free agents. But I think most importantly, we called it Debo Samuel, still a 49er, despite uh, lots of speculation, still post-draft uh, trades. He possibly wants out, maybe, maybe not. But hey, as of right now, he's still a 49er. It's a good day. It is a good day. And, you know, in that uh, that clip montage at the at the beginning here, the intro, uh, he does feature heavily. So uh, it is my hope that uh, he continues to uh, remain a 49er. I don't really want to have to go back and and change that up because it's going to make me cry every time I watch it. If he if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't stay here. But yeah, it that was, you know, our last episode, our draft massive episode. That was essentially kind of what we talked about. Right. Like it's Debo. Is Debo going to get traded? Is Debo here? You and I both agreed that uh, that we thought that he was going to stay. You were steadfast the entire time that he wasn't going anywhere. Uh, I, I I definitely bought into the narrative a bit. Um, it did feel like there was at least at least enough smoke to to make me feel like I might have to get the fire extinguisher here pretty soon. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, we're going to, we're going to recap the the draft. We'll recap each day, right? The draft, I, you know, I don't know about you guys. I remember when the draft was just Saturday and Sunday uh, and now it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, the NFL has made it a spectacle. And so we'll break it down, uh, break it down by day, day one, day two, and day three. And so, you know, I said it earlier, day one, the 49ers uh, with the 10th overall selection uh, got Debo Samuel, wide receiver from South Carolina. And then with the 29th pick, uh, they drafted Trey Lance, quarterback out of North Dakota State. So that was their day one, right? That was that was their day one. Their day one involved picks from 2019 and picks from 2020. Or sorry, 2021. My apologies. But uh, but yeah, they had no action on day one. Again, the the question was, is Debo going to go? And, and ultimately, you know, the the report came out that the that the, the the godfather offer right the offer that was supposed to entice the 49ers to trade Debo Samuel came from the Jets and it was pick 10 and a and and a fifth pick round swap. pick no if, yeah. well kind of a pick oh. swap it was number 10 and a fifth round pick for Debo Samuel and number 61 overall which is garbage like no one no one thinks that that was an offer that the 49ers ever even thought to consider so yeah no it's, ludic- it's ludicrous and and to be honest i i Ludo. do think i do feel that uh debo's agent was you know he's pretty consistent across the board he had three guys 
that the entire time he kind of created a a narrative on social media, if you will, trying to get his guys out of their current situations. Those three, of course, were Debo Samuel, yeah. uh, uh, AJ, AJ Brown, AJ Brown uh, and DK, uh, Metcalf. DK Metcalf. Yeah. But hold the door. There's actually a fourth. Did you know Hollywood and, Brown's agent is Tory Dandy? That, well, okay. There you go. And there you go. So two of his four guys yeah. were moved. Yep. And and I feel like the floor uh, of the receiver uh, trade market, if you will, was set by A.J. Brown. Um, it, it's just one of it's just one of those things where I think players and we talked about this last episode have very little that they have control over. Their leverage is so small if unless they are willing to sit out and not get paid. Um, Pretty much all they can do is uh, influence the media, influence uh, on whether it be social media or, you know, having stories go out to bigger, bigger guys and networks. That's pretty much all they got. So honestly, you know, is there is there still smoke? Absolutely. Uh, I do think that the reports, I mean, Jeremy Fowler, I think, reported out today that Debo Samuel is still requesting a trade. And I think this is just the same tactics that his agent. Uh, are playing trying yeah. to maximize his deal because I still think the 49ers are able to come anywhere right around that 25 million dollars a year mark and then I think somewhere between 65 and 70 million dollars guaranteed is going to be that sweet spot where uh, they both can agree on an extension but until that is met I think we're still going to have uh, Debo talks despite the fact that um, honestly the the biggest issue right now uh is the 27 million dollar backup quarterback situation that the 49ers currently have uh in jimmy garoppolo yeah so you know aj brown got traded from the tennessee titans to the philadelphia eagles and then it was reported immediately that the eagles had signed him to an extension and that extension was four years 100 million dollars it was 57 million dollars guaranteed um and then it came out today that uh, that there was a twenty three point two three four million dollar signing bonus for Brown, and so you know it really does feel like ultimately that is I'll say the floor for a Debo Samuel extension. Um, you know, I think I think Debo is likely going to get something similar in average annual value, uh, and then maybe possibly a little bit more in guarantees, especially if the sticking point is, Hey, if I'm going to, if I'm going to spend time in the backfield, like it needs to be worth my while. And that's the thing is, you know, Debo arguably Debo is more valuable than AJ Brown because of his versatility and what he provides in the running game. And yet that's, that's the sticking point. Cause it's like running backs don't make any money, right? You can draft a running back and, 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 and they have in the third, in the, in the third. And and we'll talk about that. Um, You know, and most of these running backs, the team that drafts them isn't giving them a second contract, right? They are, right. for for lack of a better word or term, disposable. Running backs really feel disposable in the NFL. They get chewed especially up. In, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah, for sure. Like, especially. They get, they get chewed up and spit out, and and then they move on to the next guy. So the, the value that, that Debo has is his versatility, but if he's not willing to maximize that versatility because – 
Hey, and more power to him. That's, that's his body. That's, you know, he has the rest of his life to think about, but if he's, if he's going to do that, then I'm sure he's like, Hey, you got There's gotta be a premium for me putting my body on the line in that role. And so, you know, I think, I think, like I said, the AAV, the annual uh, average annual value of 25 million a year, I, I think that's fine. I think they'll shoot for that. It's really the guarantees where I think he'll end up making a little bit more uh, than, than AJ Brown. Um, I don't think he's going to get to the 70 that or 72 that Tyree kill did. Uh, I, I can almost guarantee the 49ers are going to do that. The only time they've ever guaranteed uh, $70 million or more was to Jimmy Garoppolo. We talked about that last time. You know what I did find out though, is that that 72 was total guarantees His practical guarantees, right? His guaranteed at signing was actually only 42. So there hmm. again, right there, they, they will better. be setting. A, yeah, yeah. But they'll be setting a precedent with Debo in guaranteed money uh, yeah. because they've never given that out. So, but yeah, like we said, day one, uh, Debo Samuel remains on the team and Trey Lance uh, is the quarterback of the future. And that is why the 49ers did not have a pick on day one. So let's go ahead and focus on day two. That was rounds two and three of the draft. And we will start with, in my opinion, the best pick of the 49ers draft. Uh, Not necessarily my favorite, but the best. And that is Drake Jackson, uh, the edge player out of USC at pick 61. Tim, how'd you feel about that pick? Well, uh, before I dive into uh, Drake Jackson, just want to say, what's up, Pedro? What's up, Derek? Thanks, guys, for throwing things in the comments section. You guys have questions. Uh, feel free uh, anytime to uh, ask us something, and we will do our best to answer it for you. Um, so at 61, I do think Drake Jackson is is actually a good value pick here uh, for the 49ers. This is obviously at the tail end of, of the second round. and you know, he's, he's an athletic guy. Uh, obviously he fluctuated in weight in college. So, uh, there are times he, he played a little light. There are times where you can see obviously in some, whether it be uh, game film or some of the, the stuff floating around on social media with his workouts or, or sort of the things that he does with his backflip. Like he's, he's an extremely explosive athletic, um, edge rusher. And I think, Ultimately, what they're getting here and they're trying to fill is that D Ford role. Uh, they're looking for some speed off of the edge, somebody to compliment Nick Bosa very well. Uh, this, I mean, I've I've watched enough at this point to feel confident and comfortable that he was probably the best available pick at that time, uh, despite the fact that if you looked at their needs going into the draft, um, edge was not the top need we talked about it on the last po- the, the the last podcast that we felt that their their top needs were cornerback um and uh it it just it did not it did not feel like they addressed their their top 3 um overall Jackson I think solid I think he is going to compete uh for some for some serious PT uh in this coming season um I think you will see him specifically in passing situations, probably that third down edge rusher in that speed package, if you will, opposite Nick Bosa. And I do think he he will be a little bit of a difference maker. Um, but I'm what I'm really excited to see is uh, the kind of the kind of gains that this individual that he can make with Chris Kasarek as his coach. And and ultimately, 
there's there's some things on film that that I saw, and I'm not I'm not an edge player. Uh, I didn't play this position, so again, I'm I'm looking at it as what do I not want to see as a quarterback? Um, and there there were some things there that athletic wise jumped off the tape. Uh, I think fundamentally and and intensity wise, Chris Kasarek is going to maximize uh, the value and what uh, they can get out of Jackson out of the 61 pick. Yeah, it was, uh, I was actually really surprised that he was at 61. And and to me, that is, uh, that is part of, that's part of the value, right? The value is that, uh, that is a player that, uh, most people thought would be an early second round pick. And he was there at 61, uh, for the 49ers. And you, one of the things that I think is interesting is that after his freshman year, which was a monster year, by the way. So in his freshman year, which was 2019, uh, he played the traditional defensive end role. He was 250 plus pounds and he, and they, and they played a four, three at UC, USC under uh, Clancy, uh, Clancy Pendergast, who was the, the defensive coordinator and Jackson as a freshman, a true freshman had 46 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss and five and a half sacks. And then the following year, they uh, transitioned from Clancy Pendergast to Todd Orlando and Todd Orlando implemented a three, three, five formation on defense. And so what they did is they asked Jackson to drop weight and play kind of an outside linebacker role. And so he dropped all the way down to, I want to say like two thirty five, two forty, somewhere around that range. And so one of the things yeah. that, that, um, so after his freshman year, Dane Brugler, who, uh, covers the draft and, uh, college football for the athletic essentially said, Hey, here's, this guy is going to be one of the top edge rushers in the 2022 draft. Like he said that at, in 2019 after his freshman year, and then the two years that followed, not nearly as productive in that three, three, five. And so when you look at a lot of the scouting reports for him, one of the things that they talk about is his play strength. He needs to increase his play strength, his functional strength. Um, he doesn't play uh, with, he doesn't have any power moves, so to speak. Um, he's super twitchy. He's fast. Uh, there's, there was uh, on Saturday, right? Saturday? No, Friday. On Friday, there were a video of him uh, doing a backflip at 270 because he does he weighs 270 right now he was two uh he was 245 at the combine and then at his pro day he was 272 so he has already put on the weight that teams basically said hey we want to see you put on some weight and so he did that which is good now he's going to get in an nfl strength and conditioning program he's going to increase his play strength he's going to learn some of these you know power moves from bosa from armstead from you know, Chris Kasurik himself, Kerry Hyder, right? He's he, there's so many dudes that are on this line that he's going to learn from, and I'm I'm over the moon about this pick. Uh, I remember, you know, I I love to do mock drafts uh, on the PFF mock draft uh, simulator, and consistently, you know, he was he was going off the board in the uh, 30s or early 40s, which obviously I get it. There are mock they are mock draft simulators, right? Like. You can't you can't use that as, you know, as gospel in terms of where he should have gone. But even on consensus big boards and meaning like they take all of the big boards from all the draft analysts and, and put them together and 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 average out spots. And, and he was still uh, ranked higher than that 61 spot. And so PFF actually had him uh, as one of the biggest round two steals 
Uh, and it says that uh, he may lack a power element and is still raw as a pass rusher. There's no denying the USC edge defender ceiling. He has the explosiveness, agility, and flexibility that coaches dream of having on the edge. And the fact that he showed some growth in 2021 should be encouraging. Uh, he went from a 66.6 pass rush grade in 2020 to 88.3 in 2021, which is a good, which is a good grade in, in, in PFF grading. So I, it's a great pick. I love it. And I'm excited. Uh, I think, you know, that, that defense runs through the defensive line and to get another, uh, you know, an, another cog in that machine, uh, I'm all for it. So the one thing, and I'll finish up with, with, uh, Drake Jackson with this, um, I'm going to look to see in camp how he handles going against the likes of potentially, um, you know, if, if McGlinchey is back, um, going against McGlinchey and or Trent Williams. And I think it's, you're going to see very early on how he's able to handle, uh, once he's engaged because, uh, you know, are the tackles, the bookend tackles for the 49ers, they're going to get their mitts on them. Uh, it's going to happen. How good is he when he's engaged? And then does the process for an edge rusher look fluid and natural, or does it look chunky and kind of choppy, if you will? Uh, some of the film that I've watched on him, it kind of feels a little chunky, even though he's either bigger, fa uh, faster, or stronger than the guy he's going against. And he does win a lot of these times it does it look natural and that's going to be what i'm looking for in camp is how well does he adjust uh my hope is that chris kasurik and company uh definitely will be able to uh give him some techniques and some counter moves once he's engaged by those uh big strong offensive tackles i mean drake himself said it like very excited to go to the 49ers and chris kasurik there really isn't uh, many other coaches that will be better for this guy than than the defensive line guru that the 49ers employ. So excited for that pick. First pick in the third round, 93rd overall. The 49ers yeah. go with Tyrion Davis Price running back from LSU. And uh, here's the thing. I hate this pick. I hate it. <laughs> I don't hate the player. I don't, I don't hate the player. I hate the process. And that's what I, that's what I hate about it. Wh why, why, why are you drafting a running back that high when you have had untold amounts of success with later round and undrafted free agent running backs? The thing that frustrates me the most is that one of what we deemed, and obviously this is our opinion, and and you know we are not GMs, we are fans that you know I think know a fair amount about the game, and I know that I continue to learn more about it, and I learn a lot from you, someone who's played the game at a high level at the you know most important position of quarterback. But I had no problem with them drafting a running back. I drafted a running back in every mock that I did. I just did it later. And the reason being is because there are more valuable positions that you can address higher up in the draft because there are some positions where once you get later in the draft, it's you're likely not getting uh, an impact player whatsoever. And for me, one of the positions that I thought that they needed to address early was safety. 
right? Jaquaski Tart is gone. Jimmy Ward is, is is getting older. They signed George Odom from the Colts as a special teams ace, but also possibly and 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 to me, based on how this draft went, likely the the probably the starter opposite Jimmy Ward. But you also have Talano Hufanga, who they who they drafted in the fifth round last year, and Tarvarius Moore, who they drafted in 2019. I think it was 2019. Um, no, 2018. They drafted him in 2018. Same draft as Mike McGlinchey. Drafted him as uh, as a cornerback prospect, and then he didn't pan out there. Uh, super fast, super athletic, uh, sideline to sideline guy. Tore his Achilles last year. Uh, and so coming back from injury, that could be the other guy that, that they're thinking about. So they've got those four guys, Ward, Hufanga, Odom, and more. I thought they could have added to that to that position. And the guy that was still available at 93 was Nick Cross, the safety prospect out of Maryland. Freak athlete for the position. Uh, track star ran in the uh, mid four threes at the combine. Uh, just an absolute missile. Uh, loves to stick his nose in there and get dirty. I thought that would be a perfect selection for them. They went with 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 the running back, and then two selections later, uh, Cross went off the board, and that was really that was the frustrating part for me. Again, I don't hate the player. Tyrion Tyrion Davis Price is fine, uh, and Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide he has him as the 11th ranked running back in the class, uh, ahead of guys like Rashad White, Pierre Strong, Tyler Beatty. Uh, guys that you know that were drafted, Ty Chandler, another guy that the 49ers brought in. He's just not there's nothing that Tyrion Davis Price does that is quote unquote special, right? He's what oh. he's what he is uh six foot two eleven, so he's a bigger dude, right? Uh as Brian yeah. Peacock said on on uh locked on at 49ers, he's got thick thighs, right? <laughs> um runs a four four eight, so he's decent speed for his size, but yeah. It just uh, again, it feels like there are running backs like that later in the draft that you could get, uh, or running backs like I don't know Pierre Strong out of South Dakota State who runs in the low four threes. Right? Hey, there's your Raheem Mostert replacement. So again, hate the pick, don't hate the player. I hate the process behind it. That is not to me good process. Well, uh, I hear you, Brian, and and I'm not a fan of where they selected. Um, you know, Davis Price either. Um, as the the first pick in the third round, the one of their two, uh, I have no doubts that he would have been available at 105. I have no doubt that he would have been available in round four when they selected at 134. I'm pretty darn sure he would have been available at both of those Agreed. uh selections, right? So so I do question whether whether or not they made the right choice. Uh, as to when they drafted this individual. But what this, it tells me a little, little something about where Kyle Shanahan is moving his offensive scheme. Um, and it also tells me a little bit that they are very um, hesitant in believing in Trey Sermon. And that was the running back that they traded up to draft last year in the third round, I believe. It was kind of a similar situation in terms of when they drafted a a bigger running back somebody who you you just kind of look at and you go well that's not somebody who really fits the outside zone concept yeah. um davis price is as you called him well 
as you secondhandedly called him, a very thick-thighed individual. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that Kyle Shanahan is moving towards a inside-the-tackles type concept of you. he wants a power running game to complement Trey Lance. And I communicated this out over Twitter earlier uh, once this pick was made. It It reminds me very much of the fact that you know, when you watched Trey Lance last year run some of those zone reads um, against Arizona, and there were designed runs. Um, I mean, I think he had, what, five to eight designed runs almost that felt like they were for Trey Lance. This yeah. is going to be the back that's in with him or Trey Sermon, whoever works right. out. It's going to be a toss-up right. between the two. But you have to have that presence of he's got to be able to break arm tackles and he has to fall forward. You're mm -hmm. looking at a guy that all of the film that I've seen on Davis Price, he falls forward and he's gaining yards after contact. Now, this isn't a ton of yards. He's not going to be that guy like a Raheem Mostert or even an Elijah Mitchell, for that matter, where the first contact happens and then you get exponential yards afterwards because of the speed and strength. What you're looking for here is a short yardage back. You're looking for somebody to go inside the tackles and you're looking for him to go. I mean, if you remember the Tevin Coleman role from 2019, that was a player who a, a lot of people would look at the, I mean, there's endless people right now, right? That are doing podcasts and watching all 22 and claiming that they understand how to watch game film. And there are some that are actually really good and i respect a lot of the guys out there yeah but you if you if you just watch the film and you don't understand what it's like to take that kind of punishment as a defender uh i mean hey i played strong safety uh at washington state for a year um i understand what it's like when a running back is coming at you who'd you go up against in practice who were the running backs at that time uh honestly anybody uh, have no i probably concussion 10 uh it all disappeared i couldn't tell you <laughs> Uh, the names of the running backs at this point, I could look it up, but none of them were, uh, NFL caliber, um, in terms of, uh, there was, I remember there were a couple of receivers that were getting NFL looks a linebacker was getting NFL looks. And then Jason Gesser, the current quarterback while he was playing, uh, did get to spend just a little bit of time on uh, a practice squad. And, uh, you know, I think it was the Tennessee Titans is that he went to, but, uh, I kind of regress back to what I was saying. The amount of punishment that it takes and the time um, you're looking at around the third quarter is where you start to see uh, defenders show the wear and tear of taking hit after hit after hit mm -hmm. of, of of a tough running back. And and let's be honest, Tevin Coleman in 2019, despite the fact that you, yeah, he, that was his role. You understood yeah. that he was, he was going to get hit. He was probably going to fall between forward. the tackles runner. Yeah, for a couple yeah. of yards, two, three, four. And then eventually he'd bust one for five, six, 10, 12 yards. And and this is what I see out of Davis Price. He's going to be that guy that's going to kind of carry the load, hopefully take a little bit of pressure off of Debo. I, I think maybe this might be a, a clear message to Debo and his agent that yeah. the amount of workload that Debo is going to get inside the tackles is going to be very minimal. Um, or or he, even just in the backfield. Yeah. And right. Okay. But I would still like to see Debo Samuel get handoffs sure. and go outside for sure. I but, why, but I was gonna say, but why was why did he get as many carries as he did? 
because all the running backs got injured. So yeah. I, that, that's where I'm like, I get the, I get the pick. It's just, again, I, and I don't like, I don't hate the player, but also, I mean, you, you look at, you look at some of, 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 you know, his stats, he rushed for uh, just over a thousand yards uh, across 500 offensive snaps with LSU in, in 2021, but he averaged fewer than three yards per carry after contact and broke just 37 tackles on 211 carries. And he had a 30 inch vertical, which ranked in the seventh percentile among running backs. So again, do I hate the player? No, I don't. I, not, I don't even know a concerned. lot about him, but I'm not concerned with, with that vertical. If he's running a four, four, eight and yeah. no, I, right. I'm, I'm not concerned with it either. I'm just saying like there were better, there are better athletes at the position, more productive, more productive athletes in the draft. And I, I mean, Damian price from, uh, or Damian Pierce from Florida was still on the board too. And that was a guy I was like, that that dude was like the king of broken tackles in in college football. And so again, it's like, where like what are we what are we looking for here? It, and it, to me, I still don't know that answer. I don't know what Kyle Shanahan looks for in a running back because you know, with the ones that he's drafted, you're like, where where do they fit? And not only that, but you know, they have Jeff Wilson Jr. on the on the on the team. They have Trey Sermon on the team. Like there are dudes that fill that role that you already have. Now, Wilson was an undrafted free agent and he's on a very minimum, I think vet minimum deal for this year. So he could, you know, he could theoretically be, you know, out of here before the season starts, uh, especially if you've got two guys on the roster now that you drafted in the third round. One of which Trey Sermon, you traded two fourth round picks to move up in the third round of draft. Again, process, hate the process, but, but yeah, so Tyrion Davis price running back out of LSU. And then at one Oh five, their comp pick for Robert Sala going to the jets. They drafted Danny gray, the speed running or speed wide receiver out of SMU. Uh, our friend Brad was live uh, on a, on a stream when that pick went down. Uh, go to uh, go to my Twitter. Go to Tim's Twitter. Uh, we both have video of just how excited our buddy Brad was <laughs> when uh, when they drafted Danny Gray. This move right here from Brad, where he gets up and he like flexes. He's like, yeah. That was like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, this the, dude, the Danny Gray high was dude, buzzing. Yeah, the Danny Gray high was buzzing. Is right, buzzing. It was yeah. right, right then for sure. That that was that was a great pick. That was an exciting pick. That's another guy that I uh, that I feel like I saw I saw a lot in terms of um, fit with the 49ers. Another guy, both Jackson and Tyrion Davis Price and Danny Gray had uh, uh, 30 visits with not 30 total visits. But uh, in, in the NFL, you can host up to 30 players pre-draft at your uh, facility. And Tyrion Davis Price and Danny Gray uh, were both uh, in Santa Clara on one of those visits. Uh, just really feels like th this guy adds the element of speed that really was missing uh, last season, uh, or even two seasons for the past two seasons uh, in the in the Shanahan offense. And runs a legit four three. That speed shows up on tape. He's running away from guys. He's taking slants to the house, which seems to be a prerequisite for a Kyle Shanahan uh, wide receiver in the draft. And, you know, he, he, we're talking about the end of the third round. So there are some downsides, uh, inconsistent hands, which isn't great, especially when 
you know, Trey Lance throws, uh, not the prettiest spiral every once in a while. Right. Uh, not, uh, uh, sometimes can be a difficult Some, to catch sometime, ball, but also you can call it a, you can call it a, uh, what was, what did Joe Montana used to call his, he used to call his, um, like a catchable flutter there or a, it, it, it was a, it, yeah, they don't have to be perfect spirals sure, every time, sure. but wh- what they need to be is accurate. And, yeah. and I do think Danny Gray does possess the ability. Um, I mean, yes, you talked about some inconsistency with the hands, but he also has the ability to make contested catches and mm-hmm. he has the ability to go up and use his athleticism against a, a cornerback and come back to the football or jump up and catch it at its highest point. That I think Danny Gray is, is going to give to the position. Um, I, I like the fact that Danny Gray was a, uh, a hundred meter champion mm-hmm. in high school. Mm-hmm. He ran, he won the, the Texas state, uh, I believe it was three, a championship, which is impressive. A 10, seven hundred meter dash. Yeah. Like well done. Dude is um, fast. Dude yeah, is fast. Absolutely. But what I'm going to look for, and I think it was, uh, it was croc, uh, who Eric pointed Crocker. it out, uh, on some film is you can be extremely fast, but are you fast and do you threaten and make the DB uh, believe what your route is doing before you break off and try and catch the football? And he showed kind of a, a post comeback route mm-hmm. where the cornerback really didn't feel threatened by Danny Gray in his route. He never believed that he was going on the post. Um, so he sat on it and he was it was just something that the DB, it seemed either the DB knew what route was coming or Danny Gray has a little bit to work on. Um, because one of the things that you notice, like, and I can say this because the 49ers had the best receiver in NFL history and potentially the second or third best receiver uh, in NFL history. Two of the top five or at least two of the top 10. Two, I would say two of the top five. And I mean, hey, they had Randy Moss for for a year as well. So maybe you could say three (laughs) of the top five in NFL history at some point. Famous 49er Randy Moss. (laughs) Right? Uh, Played in the Super Bowl. So Going going into Canton wearing that red and gold. I love it. So (laughs) one of the things that that Jerry Rice specifically, and and even Terrell Owens, you can watch film on them. And at any point in their route, the DB felt like, whatever they were doing, whether they were running, uh, you know, vertical, they felt it was a vertical threat when they broke off to a post or a corner, they felt like it was a threat and that was the route. And then there was, they were never, uh, sitting on anything. They were always, and that's the the hardest thing to do as a receiver. And, And I've coached this position and it's really hard, um, to articulate to, to any young kid who's playing the game. Every single step that you're making, you have to kind of make it seem like you're trying to get by the guy, not get to the spot that which your route is determined where you're supposed to catch the ball. So you're basically acting like you're doing something else when Mm -hmm. you're trying to uh, be at a certain place at a certain time. It's an incredibly hard position to play. And and in in all honesty, like I, I completely respect and, um, like I know that receiver often gets called a diva position, but when it comes to like athletic ability and talent, very few are able to do it 
effortlessly. And I, I'm very interested to see how Danny Gray translates to the NFL. I, I think he, his athleticism and his speed uh, is off the charts. I was excited when he got picked. Obviously, at the end of the third round, he graded out as a fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. So the 49ers felt like his speed um, was worth them basically taking what I would feel would be like the first pick in the fourth round. With that's, what, pick, that's really what it right? was. Yeah, it was right. literally so, the last pick of the third round. So, yeah. So that they felt in 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 a sense, the most important player they could get in the fourth round would be Danny Gray. And he would and, not be there at 134. And that's what they felt. And I, I, I understand that. I think he was, again, small reach by the 49ers um, being a fourth round grade. Should he be the first first pick in in, the, in round four? Probably not. But do, the fact that, that that the 49ers end up with with a speedster, uh, they wind up with a guy who's going to take the top off the defense. That's my hope. And I love the comment. I believe it was by John Lynch that said, um, Trey Lance is going to have a very difficult time uh, overthrowing overthrowing Danny Gray. Danny yeah. Gray. I like yep. that. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, you know, uh wide receiver was a need. Uh it wasn't a a dire need, but it, this Debo Samuel situation still isn't still isn't resolved, so that makes it a little bit more up in the air again. At this point, Debo Samuel's going to be a 49er cuz there's zero chance that they trade him post draft because there's no value in that whatsoever no value for 2022 at least and they're you know I, we're going to talk about what we learned uh about the 49ers uh, in a little bit here but it's uh you know it, it was a need and you know it, it uh the speed element i think is the biggest part where they're really debo's fast Ayuk is fast but but Danny Gray adds a little bit different element than, than those two dudes do. So that was the end of day two. Uh, they come away with Drake Jackson, the edge from USC, Tyrion Davis Price, the running back from LSU, and then Danny Gray, the running or sorry, the wide receiver from uh, SMU. Uh, that's and two then, or three. Two or three. I'll give them two of three. Yeah. Oh, right. I liked two of those three picks for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I really did. I really did like uh, the Danny yeah. Gray pick. Loved the Drake Jackson pick, baffled by the Tyrion Davis Price pick. Although the dude's name is Tyrion, so I do kind of I do I do dig that. You know, as a as a Game of Thrones uh, reader, actually, um, that's right. Not just well, I, not just a hat rack. Um, <laughs> uh, Tyrion is a great name. So, uh, all I, right. So then, as in, I, I mean, hey, if El Jefe is our sponsor El Jefe uh, is for Tyrion and watching. Uh, game of thrones which i was a big fan of watching it um and his line i drink and know things that is there it is that is what is. we do baby uh with el jefe we we drink and know, and things, we know things i love about it. the 49ers i love it all right so then day three saturday right thursday round one day two friday rounds two and three saturday day three rounds four through seven uh, the 49ers had one pick in round four, one pick in round five, three in round six, and one in round seven. That is one thing that's interesting about this draft is there wasn't a single trade by John Lynch, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, is the first time since he became GM that there wasn't at least one draft day trade that he made. Uh, so they stayed at the exact spots that they had. And in round four, they drafted tackle Spencer Burford, 
uh, from University of Texas, San Antonio. Uh, so Burford is uh, a bigger guy, he's six foot four, but he's a little bit undersized at 304 pounds, uh, which, you know, you, you want your tackles to be a little bit heavier uh, in, in terms of being able to anchor uh, and, and not get beat on a, on a bull rush. And so I imagine that they may have him put on weight, but the one thing that he does have in his, uh, uh, to his advantage to stay at tackle is dude has uh 35 inch arms. So once he gets into somebody, they're not, they're not getting out, but the question is, can they get through him? And I think that's where, you know, they they ended up drafting uh, two tackles, uh, as a matter of fact, um, not back to back, but uh, one in round four and one in round six, both of which m- people th- assume that they will move to guard, which is interesting because they did that last year with uh, uh, Jalen Moore and they did that the year before with Colton McKibbitz, neither of which seems at this point to have panned out so Mm -hmm. it it really does seem like they they do have a a type in terms of what they look for in tackles especially later in the draft and that type is versatility guard tackle versatility uh the 49ers themselves as a as a as an organization seem to value versatility uh more than other more than other organizations i think uh, because you know they they like players, it allows them to fill their roster with the best players, as opposed to some players that may not may not be uh, the best, but you know, but they're a tackle, right? Whereas you know they may carry eight offensive linemen, and six of them could play tackle or guard, right? And so yeah. I think it it feels like it feels like that is that is one of the things that they look for. And so Spencer Burford uh, out of UTSA does fit that mold again, six, four, uh, 304 pounds, um, you know, may have to move into guard, but those, those, that arm length could keep him uh, at tackle. Uh, he started his first two seasons of college at left guard and then did kick out to left tackle. So he does have guard experience specifically left guard. Um, and uh, this past season, he did have a career high PFF grade, of 76.8. And so, you know, I, it is what it is, right? It is a versatile offensive lineman, uh, good athlete seems to be kind of the standard pick for the 49ers when it comes to offensive linemen in the later rounds or yeah, late this was, rounds. This was their only pick in round four. And, uh, I do feel that maybe, they could have gone with, I don't know, a cornerback at this point. They could have potentially, you know, addressed one of their larger needs, although interior offensive line uh, was a need that we did discuss. Uh, it was something that we knew they had to to kind of take a look at. The this pick and and I'll be I'll be honest, um, I wasn't blown away by it one bit, but at the same time, I'm not super upset and disappointed either. Uh, very middle of the road. They did they reach for this pick? I mean, Spencer was was mocked to go out um, anywhere in the fourth or fifth round, and they took him uh, towards the end, right of of round four. So 
yeah, kind of fallen right in that 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 area where people thought he would go. He has the body type to put on weight uh, if he's going to be a tackle. Uh, I mean, being 6'4", 304-ish right now, um, you know, he plays with, with he's nasty. Uh, he, he plays with a mean demeanor, and I think Kyle's going to like that. Uh, he's good in, in terms of pass blocking. He doesn't get beat with speed very often on the edge, uh, but he does need to get a little better in the run game. And one of the things that he's really going to have to clean up, uh, I believe he had like 11 penalties over the last couple of years. So I do think that there are some things that he is going to have to clean up if he's going to find his way uh, onto the uh, game day roster, uh, to the active roster, if you will. Uh, This to me feels like a project. This to me feels like a player that will, could be moved into the guard role or could be out in a, in a tackle situation, uh, depending on McGlinchey looking at years to come. Uh, this does not feel like an impact player, uh, this year. And I mean, the one thing I will give him though, is the fact that he was on, um, you know, university of Texas, San Antonio, and they were a good team. They won a lot of games. So he's coming off of a year where, uh, winning was expected. Um, so his wins were expected in a role uh, where as an offensive lineman, hey, you, you got to get the job done. So I think he's going to walk into camp and he's going to be competing against some of the guys we talk about a little bit later. Um, and it's going to kind of be survival of the fittest because the 49ers have uh, a lot of a <laughs> lot of good players. They and do. They, do. A, they, they, they filled their 90 man roster already. So when you when you look and you think about like how many impact players this draft was going to produce, it wasn't many. And that's why I mean when you when we talk about the the Davis Price running back pick in the 3rd round, you can say it's a horrible pick, but maybe that was the guy they earmarked as this is exactly what we need. None of these other guys are really No doubt. Gonna- I'm not right? going to argue like, that. Yeah, maybe. And we weren't in the draft room, so we don't necessarily know. I'm just saying I don't see Spencer um, cracking that game day roster this year. And I don't really year, see. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, hey, I don't see anyone else picking him up either. So good luck. I mean, I hope he does. Good luck to him. Uh, I think, hey, I, I'm. you're never going to hear me root against a player. Um, but is he... I mean, who's the interior offensive line? I hope Mac comes back at center. And then, I mean, who's his competition? He has Jalen Davis to go against. Jalen right? Moore. Jalen Davis sorry. was a giant. <laughs> My bad. Jalen Jalen Moore. Um, and I mean, you who who are the other potential potential guard picks? Guards. Like, so yeah. again, if if Mac stays right, then you're right. Then then the guards that you're looking at in terms of competing for a spot are Aaron Banks, Jalen Moore, Daniel Brunskill, and then probably Colton McKivitz. Those would be four. And then possibly you're looking at these guys because there's some undrafted free agents that we're going to get to at the end here that they're also bringing in that arguably might be better picks picks. I mean, they didn't overall like overall. Um, 
it's interesting, right? And yeah. so, so um, right. you know, he was uh, as far as Burford goes. Uh, again, with Dane Brugler and his draft guide, he was the twelfth ranked uh, tackle on his um, on the board for him, and he had a fourth to fifth round grade. So he went kind of right where he did. Uh, has a nasty streak. One of the, one of the uh, one of the draft profiles. Uh, said that he plays to the echo of the whistle, which I like. I like that a lot. Mm. And as a matter of fact, they said that about the other guy, the other offensive lineman that they drafted, that the 49ers drafted uh, in the sixth round, the first pick in the sixth round, uh, Nick Zakel out of Fordham. And that's also a guy who uh, Steph Sanchez of the 49 Carrots podcast tweeted out earlier today that Nick Zakel. As, or maybe it was yesterday. I can't remember. She tweeted out, though, that Nick Zakel was actually on the, the 49er scouts uh, radar since his freshman year as a possible uh, center. So that hmm. could also be a guy that they might look at and say, you know what? We think we can this guy can slide in to the interior, specifically, though, center. So, again, center being a, a, an area of need because we don't know if Mac is coming back. Um, one of the things that I think I learned from this uh, from this draft is that he will, but we'll see. Um, so, and then in the fifth round, right? So probably going to end up being the best pick that the 49ers make because that's how the 49ers operate, right? They draft their best players in the fifth round. Um, that's just their jam. Uh, they took Samuel Womack, a defensive back out of Toledo with pick 172. And to me, he is an interesting pick because um, I believe it was um, Akash of uh, Niner Nation who tweeted out uh, the measurables of uh, Samuel Womack. And here it is. It was Akash. Uh, he said, Samuel Womack, five foot nine, 189 pounds with a 74 inch wingspan, which is incredible, right? At five foot nine, uh, ran a four, four, 40 and a 6.87 second three cone time. Okay. Samuel Womack measurables. Here are the measurables of another, cor another cornerback. Five foot nine, 183 pounds, 74 inch wingspan, 4.53 second 40 yard dash, and a 6.85 second three cone time. Do you know who that cornerback is? Those were the measurables for Kwan Williams the man who manned the slot for the 49ers in the past four seasons. So quite literally almost a clone athletically, except for Samuel Womack way faster. <laughs> and so again, K1, one of the things that we noticed was K1 was starting to get burned on some of those uh, like slot fades and things like that, where the where receivers were just running by him and he didn't have that makeup speed. Part of that was, I mean, he ran a four, five 40, which again, is not slow. Please, you know, probably a second faster than I could do that. It, and I might be giving myself way too much credit there, but um, you know, it was obvious that his place, his play speed had diminished. So bring in Womack, who is the same size, right. Is able to, is able to stay with some of those smaller slot receivers, but at the same time with those long arms can still, uh, kind of mix it up with some of those bigger power slots, which are kind of the, the 
kind of what what teams are moving to uh, in the NFL in terms of uh, guys that, that are in the slot, right? We're not seeing little Trent Taylors and and Wes Welkers anymore. We're seeing more bigger bodied receivers. Uh, but with with that arm length, he can stay with those. Um, Niners Nation uh, talked about him uh, after after he was drafted, and uh, he has played five collegiate seasons, and he was a three year starter. Uh, at Toledo, he led the Mac and passes defended in each of the past three seasons. So for three straight seasons, he led his conference in passes defended. Hey, that's pretty good, right? Um, not only that, uh, but he played in 41 games over his career, recorded 126 tackles, 39 pass breakups, which was a school record. He had five interceptions, four and a half tackles for loss and a forced fumble. Uh, as a matter of fact, he came into 2021 uh, as a preseason All-Max selection, and uh, he was listed on the Jim Thorpe Award list, which is the uh, the the award given to the nation's best defensive back at the end of the the season. So he was essentially a preseason Jim Thorpe Award winner. Uh, what do you, I don't know? What do you want? I lost the word that I want to use, but you know, he was on the list, right? He was on the list of guys that, that might win that award. And then um, the other thing that I thought uh, was interesting was uh, he had seven run stops in 2021, which ranked 13th amongst all draftable quarterbacks, which is important for anybody that plays the slot in the 49ers defense, because they are an important run defender, uh, especially uh, when they have their, uh, safeties either playing too high or single high with one of them playing like a robber. And so uh, that's an extra run defender that that they have in the box and and Womack kind of fits the bill. So um, I actually really like uh, really like this pick. Uh, he had nine passes defended in 2021, which is 11th among all draftable cornerbacks. So, again, not a big name, uh, but one that that had good tape and uh, good measurables and is likely uh, going to be one of the guys that is going to compete for that slot cornerback position that was uh, Kwan Williams for the last four seasons. Uh, I love that you like the pick. I'm not. I'm not thrilled with it. Uh, I do feel. I mean, Dane Brugler had this had this cornerback. He was his 45th cornerback. Uh, I know that that slot corner was an important. It was a need for the 49ers, and they went after somebody who measurable wise kind of compares to Kwan Williams uh, a little bit faster. Um, but however, um, he probably would have been available as an undrafted free agent and the 49ers used a fifth round pick on him. So this is one of those situations where I do think potentially they, they reached a little bit for a player that would have been available later in the draft. I don't know what they saw that felt like this was a fifth round pick, but um I mean, if I'm if I'm being if I'm being honest, I'm not going to spend too much time on him because we're already uh, pretty much at 56 minutes. We're almost at an hour, and we haven't even made it out of the fifth round. So, um, yeah, go get him, Walmack. Uh, hey, I hope you uh, I hope you earn earn a spot, man. Go, <laughs> go get, get him. him. Go yep. get him. Um, all right. So we already mentioned their first pick in round six, uh, tackle Nick Zakel out of Fordham. Uh, their second pick uh, in round six, which is the last two picks of round six, two comp picks, 220 and 221. Uh, they took defensive uh, interior defensive lineman Kalia Davis out of UCF and then cornerback Tariq Castro Fields out of Penn State. That was actually probably my favorite selection 
of the entire draft for the 49ers. Felt like that was incredible value in round six. Uh, again, Castro Fields was a cornerback that uh, had, you know, uh, a lot higher uh, rankings amongst uh, draft analysts than the sixth round. Um, a th- uh, three-year starter at Penn State, super fast, uh, you know, a little bit, a shade over six foot, so he's got some size to him. Um, he actually put out a uh, kind of like a hype video uh, on Twitter. Uh, I think it's uh, either Sunday or yesterday. I was like, I'm in. Anybody that has their own hype video, I'm all about it. I love it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then Kalia Davis is a guy that uh, many think is a little bit of a DJ Jones clone, right? Short. He's yep. only six feet tall. Uh, 305 six, pounds. Six one. Or six, six one. one. Six one, 305 pounds. Actually, with Kalia Davis, he started as a linebacker and then <laughs> moved to defensive end and then moved into defensive tackle. So that kind of tells you the athlete that he is. He's explosive. Uh, he tore his ACL uh, midway through the season. So uh, I imagine that he's going to start the season on the pup list. So 2022 is probably not his year with the 49ers. Uh, but uh, again, a uh, a guy that, that projects as you know, as a DJ Jones uh, replacement and they drafted DJ Jones in the fifth round and they got uh, Kalia Davis in the sixth round. And then Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in round seven, pick 262, the 49ers, because they don't believe in Trey Lance, drafted Brock Purdy, quarterback, (laughs) Iowa State. No, obviously I don't believe that. Obviously I don't believe that. (laughs) Anyone, anyone who heard that just cook Brian on Twitter, please (laughs) roast him, get him. Yes, he doesn't Uh, believe in Trey Lance. They're killing you in the they're killing you in the quote tweets. (laughs) Um, No, but to be perfectly honest, it is interesting to me, and again portends to me that Jimmy Garoppolo is not long for this roster in 2022, regardless of whether they trade him or not. So. but yeah, Brock Purdy gonna play that. Uh, that uh, what's his face? Who is who is slated to be the backup quarterback this year? Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld. Thank you. Sorry, Nate Sudfeld. Hide Sudfeld. Hive. My bad. My apologies. Nate Sudfeld. I think Brock Purdy is gonna play that Nate Sudfeld role, role, which is you know uh, practice squad quarterback. And if for whatever reason one of the QBs goes down, then he comes up as depth. Uh, and then, you know, we'll we'll continue to develop on the practice squad with the 49ers and then possibly end up being the backup to Trey Lance. Hmm. Well, uh, I do outside of Drake Jackson, um, I do feel that the the six round picks, the back to back picks of Kalia Davis and uh, Castro Fields. Uh, compete with Danny Gray as the next tier of potentially uh, best picks for the 49ers in this draft. And again, you're looking at um, there's not a lot of room on this roster for impact players. And with Davis, you you know, you talked about it. He was a top 10 uh, uh, rated um, defensive lineman in Brugler's draft guide, which meant uh, there was a lot of value there. He was projected to go uh, you know, around round four or round five. So to get him in round six uh, was awesome. Obviously, uh, he fell because of his knee injury. And this will be a guy that will 
like you said, probably start on the physically unable to perform list. He will, this will be his redshirt year in the NFL. And once, you know, we get to take a look out of, you know, once next year ends and what free agents leave, uh, I think he will be a solid rotational piece on the defensive line. And just like DJ Jones, he will probably play, uh, make an impact, and then earn himself a contract going somewhere else. Um, I got to be honest, uh, Castro Fields, I, golly, man, a lot of expectations out of, probably too much, uh, too many expectations uh, I already have for this kid. Um, (laughs) it, It seems like, like, why did he fall? I'm already asking myself, why did he fall to the sixth round? Because it almost seems too good to be true. Uh, that the Niners were able to snag him in the sixth round. So uh, in terms of impact players, um, this was potentially something really good. Uh, Is he better than Ombre Thomas? No, I'm not going to say that. Uh, But does he have an opportunity to to compete? Absolutely, he does. And he may be a guy uh, that's able to surprise some people. So uh, we're not going to spend too much time uh on it because you know you did a you did a great job but i I love the two six round picks of of davis and fields we obviously talked about the other six round pick earlier solid uh so six seemed to be good brock purdy was a guy that i saw earlier in college uh brock purdy i don't know i mean i watched the wasn't last year it was a year before washington state played iowa state in a bowl game and and i was just watching brock purdy um you know eat up Washington State's defense. I was getting frustrated. <laughs> and and what is he? Is he a guy that that can beat out Nate Sudfield for for the backup role once Jimmy vacates uh, this roster? I don't know. Maybe. But even if he's third string and he doesn't suit up on game day, uh, he can be that athletic. He can be that um, you know diverse, if you will, uh, quarterback position where if you need him to do uh, some running and throwing on the run. He can be there. He can do that. If you, you know, you need him to sling it a little bit. I, I just, you know, whatever. It's not a terrible pick as Mr. Irrelevant. He got a trip to, didn't he get a trip to Disneyland or something like that out of it? Like being the, the you last pick you get, you get a little something out of it. So good for him, man. I love that. A, it went to a a jersey with the number 262 on it. I do know that. That is a big so, jersey. Big. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I, here's what I'm excited about. Like we we're an hour in hour and five minutes in, and now we get to talk about the undrafted free agents. We're going to roll through them out of respect yeah. to everyone's time. But I right. think, I think the 49ers did either as good a job, if not a better job <laughs> uh, with the undrafted free agents than they did with the draft. Like, Agreed. And there, there are four, there are four dudes in particular where I'm like, man, they have a great shot at, at making this roster. And so um, we're not going to read off all the names, uh, but I am going to talk or I'm going to, I'm going to read off the four. If there's another guy that you uh, want to highlight, feel free to do so. But the four dudes that are coming to the 49ers as undrafted free agents, and I'm going to list them in order of uh, I'm most excited to uh, not as excited, but still excited, right? Donovan West, the center out of Arizona state, Jason Poe, a lineman, 
slash fullback. Yes. <laughs> Out of Mercer. Uh, 6'1", 301 pound fullback. Mm-hmm. I mean, obsessed already. And then uh, Leon O'Neill Jr., strong safety out of Texas A&M, 6'1", 210. And then Kevin Atkins, a defensive lineman out of Fresno State, again, 6'2", 307, kind of fits that Kalia Davis uh, role. And I guess there's a fifth, and that's Tate Martin, the wide receiver of uh, Oklahoma State. And previously before that, baby, where did he go for three years? Washington State University. Washington State. Cougs. Go go Cougs. Um, All right, let's just – you start you start um we'll just bounce so, back and forth because... yeah so so donovan west is a center uh from arizona state Take and and here's the thing donovan west was expected to go somewhere in the mid like third fourth fifth round that was that was kind of where he was slotted to go fourth round maybe not third right ends up not getting drafted But again, we talk about the center position as being a linchpin on this 49ers offense. And West is a guy that uh, is athletic for the position, uh, great in the run game, uh, cerebral, which is important to Kyle Shanahan. Uh, And I think, honestly, you know, whether he he, they had him out on a visit, whether or not have no idea where he was on their board uh, in terms of, you know, why he wasn't actually selected. uh, But. Uh, I honestly think he's going to come in and I mean, maybe he doesn't beat out Jake Brendel uh, just because Brendel has time in the system. But as far as uh, skill set, significantly better in my eyes than Jake Brendel. And then even Poe. Poe is a guard center uh, prospect or fullback. <laughs> if that's what we, Seriously, <laughs> though, seriously, look at uh, go to our I think for both of us, go to our Twitter. We both retweeted a video of him running routes. Dude is crisp and athletic. Like you look at him moving, you're like, oh man, this dude is an athlete at 6'1, 301. Very, I mean, again, reminds me of DJ Jones, right? Except on the other side of the ball. So I'm very excited about both of those guys uh, in terms of their opportunity to stick on this roster. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe one of them, maybe one of them ends up as a guard and the other ends up as a center. I'm not sure. Uh, but I am excited about both those guys, uh, coming to the 49ers as undrafted free agents. So the, I mean, you, you spoke well about West. I, I do think that, I mean, he was slated to go, you know, probably around the fifth, maybe fourth early, uh, multiple mock drafts. A lot of 49er fans had, had West going to the 49ers. Not a big surprise there. The one piece that I want to highlight about him is the fact that um, he was dealing with a thumb injury since his freshman year. And so, so much so that he required surgery uh, in the 2021 year at the end of the season and he missed the bowl game for it. But imagine trying to block 300 pound guys with four fingers, right? Your thumb. The one thing in particular that that kind of you rely on um, when you're trying to punch a guy, that thumb is vital and he didn't have it. So maybe that's why he didn't pop or there were some things against they they talk about him needing to um, bulk up a little bit and be able to handle bull rush and and stronger defensive linemen in the center position. He's going to have to go against the meatiest part of the defensive line. 
So I'm hoping that that he heals. Uh, you mentioned Mercer. Uh, absolutely. I called him a unicorn. Um, just watching Jason him. Poe. his, Or sorry, Jason Poe. His, uh, his route running, his ability at 300 pounds, it, he is a unicorn. It's something you don't see very often. I would love to see what uh, he's able to do, uh, especially why not? I mean, can you imagine, um, I don't know, Kyle Juszczyk on one side. Can you imagine him on the, can you imagine Poe on the other? And then having somebody like, I mean, our guy Davis Price lined up back behind both of them. Um, <laughs> I know I, I did that just to kind of give you a little, little jab or two. Um, but that's, that's quite the goal line package. The amount of beef that you could put. Jason Poe, full line, goal line fullback. I am, I am here for it. I am here for it. Jason Poe, <laughs> goal line fullback. Let's make it happen. Come on, let's Kyle. do it. But he's going to wind up catching a pass in the, you know, out of the backfield. And I'm going to uh, lose my mind. The kid, I mean, he looked awesome. I, I, I really hope he's going to be phenomenal. Um, Tay Martin, we kind of, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, he transferred to, I believe it was Oklahoma State. Correct. Um, so the one thing, uh, when he was at Washington State, obviously, uh, you know, with me playing there for a season, I was very, I'm always interested in what uh, the Cougs have and they put on the field. He spent some time there when they were a very high powered offense, um, but he wasn't their number one target. Uh, he went to Oklahoma state. He was able to put up, you know, over a thousand yards in his 50 year seed uh, season. He, he caught, he had 11 total touchdowns and you know what? Like he's six, one, You never know. Uh, he might make a difference, might not, but as an undrafted free agent, I'm excited. Uh, Leon O'Neill, very physical safety could be, is Martin six, one or six, three. Uh, I thought he was six, one, but I can go back and take a peek. I have I'll never, look. Look. uh, I, you know, I've, I've been wrong often and I'll be right again and again and wrong again and again. Um, so take a peek, let me know. The, I mean, if we're, if we're going through, uh, Leon O'Neill, not the fastest guy in the world, uh, at safety, he, he's a very I mean, physical guy. I think that hurt him. Yeah. His, his 40 time. And I mean, what did he run a four, seven, right? Four, seven, six, I think is what he clocked in at. And there's two things like there is, um, there's straight speed. There is 40 times. And then there's how you play on the field. And, uh, you know, our guy, uh, Jordan Elliott, uh, tweeted out a, a video and kind of a, a recap of Leon O'Neill. And, you know, he has closing speed. He's physical. Uh, he's not afraid. And those are some of the things that I really like to see uh, out, of a, out of a safety in that position. Lord knows that when you have to come down and fill the box, it is intimidating having some of those big guys come down or, or hitting some of those running backs. And, you know, it's, is he going to be an impact player this year? Will he break into uh, that, that game day roster? I don't, I don't know. I I don't think there's a lot of guys uh, in this draft class or in this undrafted free agent class that are going to see uh, the field. But I do think that the 49ers drafted for positions that they will need down the road. Sure. And and and, and, and that's what, you know, the, 
John Lynch has talked about it, right? Like we, we look at roster management in three-year chunks and it, I, if you want evidence that the 49ers draft for future needs, just look at the 2021 draft, right? Like the Aaron Banks pick wasn't for 2021. It was for 2022 when they knew that Lake and Tomlinson was going to be leaving because they weren't going to pay him what he was going to get on the open market. So again, is it tough to take somebody in the second round and just see them sit for a full year? Absolutely. Especially as a fan, but at the same time, if Aaron banks turns into who they think he will as a second round player, like, you know, great job you guys, because you know, you, you filled a need that you knew that you would have with a, with a cost control player for, you know, for, for a lot less than you were going to pay Lake and Tomlinson. You know what I really, when I look at Leon O'Neal and I think about what role could he fill on this team, you know, you know, because of his play style and the fact that he, he calls himself an enforcer. I actually wonder if they're not going to look at him to put on a little bit of weight and see if they can't put him in that Marcel Harris linebacker role, right? Where he's a special teams contributor and he's Mm -hmm. one of the, you know, one of the linebacker, one of, you know, in that linebacker rotation, uh, because I just don't think that he's fast enough to play the safety position. But at four seven, if he can maintain four seven, but be two thirty instead of two fifteen, um, th- hey, that's that's a those are great measurables at linebacker. So you know po- that could possibly be his role uh, on this team moving forward as well. Um, so yeah, those are uh, the undrafted free agents that uh, that we like that we wanted to highlight. And so uh, just wanted to uh, answer a couple questions uh, before uh, we cheese on out of here and 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 button up this draft. But the first question was favorite pick in the draft. And so uh, Tim, I'll let you go first on that. What was your favorite pick uh, for the 49ers? And and you could do undrafted free agent if you want. <laughs> I'm tempted. I'm very tempted to do a uh, an undrafted free agent pickup, but um, it it seems to me like this entire draft. If I was gonna if I was gonna r- rank or or give a grade to the 49ers for their their second round pick through their their last um, you know the last pick of the draft, I would probably give them around I don't know a B minus C plus range. It's not a great draft for them in terms of impact right now. There's no question about that. Does their undrafted free agents raise them up a little bit? Absolutely. I think the players that they were able to bring in in total, if you're looking at the entire board of players that they now have, uh, probably raises them up into the B range. Is it a B minus? Is it a B? I don't know because you're not going to get a ton of impact this year from the guys, but in future years, we'll be able to look back and say, Yes or no. If I had to pick my favorite draft pick, uh, I'm going to, the easy pick for me uh, would be Drake Jackson uh, because of where he fell to in round two. But I'm actually going to go with Castro Fields uh, in the sixth round. That's my favorite pick of the draft for the 49ers because of where, because of the value they found in him late in round six he was not supposed to be like, it feels like he was forgotten and somehow he snuck through the cracks and that could be an impact player 
that the 49ers found very late in the draft. This may be their late round, not round five gem that they have almost every year. This could be their sixth round gem that that finds some PT, that finds to finds a way to be a difference maker. Um, if I had to pick my absolute favorite, I have a couple that fall in there. I mean, let's just be real. Mercer is how or sorry, Poe, Jason Poe po out of Mercer, <laughs> from Mercer from Mercer. How can you not love that guy? Like right? the more the more right. I watch of him, the more I just I want to root for him and mm-hmm. just know, sir, uh, Mr. Poe, you were this close for me from being right there. But I'm going to go with uh, Castro Fields, cornerback uh, out of Penn State University. That's right. As as I think the best value and potential impact uh, uh, position in the 2022 draft i agree uh castro fields is definitely uh one of if not my favorite selection that the 49ers made just because of what i think he brings to the to the defensive back room but also just the value in in where they drafted him versus you know arguably where he quote unquote should have gone uh in terms of you know rankings and 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 draft analysts and and all that stuff but uh i will go with uh, i will go with drake jackson uh, just because again when you look at when you look at the totality of his time at usc i think his play as a sophomore and junior in that 335 where they asked him to drop weight you know his his play suffered and and i think it it really it really kind of screwed him because if you look at his production as a true freshman a true freshman not a redshirt freshman, an 18-year-old kid out of Compton, California, playing for the University of Southern California Trojans. At 18 years old, dude had 11 and a half tackles for loss and five and a half sacks. Like that is tremendous production for an 18-year-old in a Power Five conference uh, playing for a team like USC, and that was in a traditional edge role. Now that he will be back in that role at that weight that he was as a freshman, which was, I, I believe he was between 250 and 260. And, and I think right now he's around 270. And I think that's, I think they'll have him stay there. Uh, just the athletic ability that he has at that size, uh, the dip and bend that he has. Uh, there is, uh, there is, there are some highlights out there of him uh, uh, damn near touching the ground with his shoulder as he dips under uh, a right tackle and just obliterates the quarterback. And I'm just like, that's what I'm talking about. Right. And so, you know, you think about him and, 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 you know, I I do think that he has a legitimate shot to fill that D Ford turbo package defensive end role early on uh, for the 49ers, like perhaps even into week one, he may be part of that, that rotation on the defensive line. And when you think about Jackson and Bosa on the edges and Kinlaw and Armstead inside or Givens and Armstead inside on, on passing downs, right? I think Eric Armstead's going to have another double digit sack season because Jackson and Bosa are going to funnel dudes in and Armstead's going to be there to clean it up just like he was in 2019 when he had double digit sacks. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not only going to, it's not only going to be, you know, phenomenal to have another guy opposite Bosa to to take pressure off Bosa and get some sacks but it's going to be it's going to help the whole defensive line 
and it's going to, everybody's going to eat. And, and, you know, ultimately, um, you know, they've invested in the secondary with draft capital and also the signing of a Charvarius ward. And then they signed our guy today, Tim Jay Fever too. Jason Verrett coming back to the 49ers on a one-year deal. And I couldn't be more thrilled. And you look at that defensive back room now, and you look at the, we talked about the four safeties and then you look at the cornerback depth, right? Josh Norman isn't going to be necessary this year. They're not going to need to, to, you know, they're not going to need to throw out, you know, throw out the corpse of Josh Norman on a Sunday anymore or, or Drake Kirkpatrick or Darquez Denard, or maybe even Dante Johnson. Although I love Dante, I love the barnacle, right? But you've got, you've got Charvarius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley on the outside. And then as depth on the outside, you've got Ambry Thomas, you've got, uh, Jason Verrett, you've got, uh, Diamador Lenore, you've got Tariq Castro fields. And then in the slot, you've got Samuel Womack and possibly Emmanuel Mosley, right? Maybe you shift him into the slot. Uh, if Womack isn't ready yet and you put Thomas or, uh, Verrett on the outside, depending on how Verrett has recovered. Right. So what was a weakness for the team now is an incredible strength. And not only that, but you couple that with arguably, the best front seven in all of football. And this defense is going to be so good again next year, uh, arguably, arguably better than they were last year. If healthy, if this team, if this defense can stay healthy. And that's a big if. Again, the only position, the only place on this defense right now that I have a question mark with is the safety opposite Jimmy Ward. And you talked about it earlier. Is there new addition from the Colts? Uh, will will he be able to fill in? Um, help me with the name real quick. George Odom. George Odom. Uh, again, and the Chiefs fandom, uh, Chiefs Colts, or, sorry, Colts Twitter, Colts fandom uh, was very they were upset, upset when they lost Odom. Yep. They There was no yep. doubt that he had made an impact on that fan base and on that organization uh, as the type of player he is, whether it be on special teams or when he filled in, in that safety role. Um, I, I gotta be honest, like when, oh gosh, when Jason Verrett is healthy, he's probably a top, top, four. top three cover guy in the league. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, he's going to be 31 and he's coming off a knee injury. So you know, Again. I, I want to temper expectations a little bit, but yeah, man. I said when healthy. Right. No, no. I well, and, I know, but even when healthy at 31, is he gonna be as good as he was when he was healthy in 2020 as a 29-year-old? I don't know, but maybe. But yeah, you have I'm willing to take a flyer though. That's for damn sure. When you have Traverius Ward and you mm -hmm. have Mosley, mm -hmm. so now you feel like you have a legitimate cornerback one slash yeah. two. For at sure. both positions, right? Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. can make arguments for either guy in mm -hmm. either position. You throw in Jason Verrett, who, let's be honest, isn't always, like, the majority of his career, he's been injured. Yeah, but when he's been healthy, Rough. he has been elite. He's been at the, he's been at the top of the game. Elite. Not no, good. Elite. No question. Yep. And then you bring in all of these young first-year, second-year players 
that have a ton of potential. Now the cornerback room is no longer, like you said, a, a weak spot on the roster. It's a strength. The linebacking core, as we know, very strong, led by Fred Warner. And then with Aziz Alshair and Drake Greenlaw, phenomenal in the defensive line. Uh, probably, I mean, hasn't really, even though they lost a couple of guys uh, due to free agent signing and D Ford is, I mean. Gone. D, He's done. D, D Ford is. They'll, you be, know, they'll be cutting him post June 1. D Ford is D Ford. Um, but let's let's just be real. The defensive line still is probably yeah, it's probably the anchor of this of this defense. It is oh, the for sure, for sure. The, it goes for them. The position group that this regime feels like they they owe they invest the most they invest the most resources into it and they they'll talk about it this defense is built from front to back we they believe that that on the defensive side of the ball you build through the line and and you invest your resources there and it's obvious they have and and for the first time since i mean 2020 uh it feels like the secondary uh outside of one position right now which Quite frankly, Odom or Moore or uh, I think they'll be perfectly fine. O'Neal, they're gonna. I think yeah. Or Hufunga. Uh, hey, they yeah. they drafted these guys. They put a lot of. They have a lot of stock in some of these guys. The, I understand that a lot of people wanted Tyrone Matthew. Uh, they wanted the Honey Badger to go uh, and play opposite uh, Jimmy Ward, but he signed a a deal that was like eleven million a year for three yeah. years. Yeah, that's I'm good. <laughs> I don't want to pay him that. I mean, sure is now if you look at it in a vacuum in in the in his 30s is he worth 10 plus million a year? Maybe. Is he a difference maker? Yeah. Is he still a top 5 safety in the league? Maybe. So would he be worth that money in a vacuum probably, but the 49ers didn't have that type of capital and that type of money to spend on him, even if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't on the books, like let's They're not let's just be real. It doesn't it doesn't no. feel like it. So if anybody's out there, you know, yelling today at the fact that they still have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, it you know probably it didn't cost him Tyrone well, Matthew. Yeah, and listen, they are not they are not bringing in somebody at the safety position that is going to make more than Kyle Shanahan's favorite player, Jimmy Ward. They're not, they're not going to do it. They're not, they're no. not bringing in a dude to, to, to pay him $11 million and, and have him be uh higher paid than Jimmy Ward. And the other thing is Tyron Matthew, what he's good at is freelancing. And that's not what the 49ers do on defense. They are a, you know, they are a, a zone coverage, a, you know, there are certain principles that they have on the back end. And if somebody, if they can't trust somebody to, to be where they need to be, and that's, Honestly, that's part of the issue with Hufanga and with Moore, right? Is that they aren't necessarily disciplined enough upstairs right now to to be where they need to be, like a Jaquaski Tart was, right? Where you could just count on him to be where he needed to be at all times. Was Jaquaski Tart a playmaker? Probably you could argue no, right? Not not tons of pass breakups, not tons of interceptions. But what he was was incredibly sound in his uh assignments. He was a he was a gamer. All the, yeah, for sure. For you sure. could say not a playmate. Jaquaski Tart was a gamer. Yeah, and I love Tart. Chan- chances are 
you know, he'll never hear these words that I'm about to say, but <laughs> probably Kwaski Tart was the most underappreciated mm-hmm. player mm-hmm. for the 49ers in his tenure. That dude was sound. That dude saved games, especially in the he playoffs saved the last Green Bay year. playoff game. That was Tart, man. He sa- literally saved that game. The 49ers did him dirty, and I hate it. Yeah. And I'm I'm just not. This is the one of the things that this uh, regime, this front office, did that they just didn't treat Tart fairly. And as much as I, guy. as much as I want him back, and as mm-hmm. much as I think the fan, I mean the fan base laid into him after the NFC Championship game mm-hmm. about dropping that that potential pick. There were eight but, minutes left in the game, guys. That's not that that wasn't uh, that that wasn't going to end the game. I hate no. to tell you. It wasn't. It, it's just unfortunate that his time as a 49er came to an end the way it did because he deserved better. He deserved more. And I mean, hey, I would love to have him back. Jaquaski, if you ever hear this, I I immensely respect the player that you are. I respect what you bring to the locker room, how solid you are. You're a gamer. And you know, quite frankly, if the, the 49ers front office and hey, I'll say it, fan base can't see how good of a player you are and what you bring to an organization. They don't deserve you. I, I hope you get yours. But God, I'd love to see him yeah. in the red and gold next year. I would as well. Um, it just doesn't look like it's in the cards, but I do hope that uh, he does catch on somewhere and gets, you know, at least some some version of a bag. Right. I hope hey, go he to signs the for more than the vet minimum. There you if go. It, if it's not there go to go. the Dolphins, so I can cheer, keep cheering for right. uh, the 49ers East. <laughs> That's right, 49ers East. Um, I think you know one of the questions that I had in our our pre-show notes was worst pick. I think we kind of went over that already. Both of us agree that uh, Tyrion Brock, Price, Brock Purdy. Oh no, <laughs> we don't agree. The uh, running back in the third round. It's I don't even want to attach a name to it. The process of drafting a running back in the third again. Round. D- irritating hey, tyron davis price it's not you Tyrion. Dude. Tyrion. sorry Tyrion. Tyrion lannister a, davis price it was a rough day i'm having a rough day okay? <laughs> no worries um Tyrion lannister davis price the law firm <laughs> it's not you bud you, no it's not and and you're you could fall out beautifully yeah you could fit beautifully yeah. into this organization you could be exactly what kyle shanahan and john lynch are looking for um, in a, in between the tackles running back for this organization. It's just uh, where they drafted you. Yep. And it, it's one of two things. Either they are admitting they completely whiffed last year and they are doing whatever they can to fill that void, or they are so confident that they are filled in every other position that the picks almost don't matter. Yeah, I don't think it's that one. Well, as I say, and that that okay, their, so their arrogance could like, and let's just be real. Like Kyle Shanahan, he's an arrogant guy. You have to be sure, an arrogant sure. guy to be a head coach in the NFL. Uh, maybe he does believe that you know what I can do whatever I want from the third round on because we have the roster built where we have we have everybody. None of these guys are going to be impact players anyway for years to come. Let's take a reach on a guy we see a ton of potential in. 
Yeah. Okay. There you go. Well, and that was, I would say that kind of leads me to our last question of the night and is what did you learn about the 49ers or about Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch with this draft? And I think there's two things for me that I learned. Uh, one, it, it, it certainly seems like Alex Mack is probably coming back for the 2022 season simply because they did not seem to feel any sense of urgency to address that position early on with either uh and and maybe part of that is because Linderbaum went in the first round and then Cam Jurgens who arguably was the second best center prospect went to the Eagles in the 50s so he wasn't even there at 61 uh and then so a couple other guys that may have been center prospects like a Cole Strange Cole Strange went to the Patriots at pick 29, which nobody saw coming. Um, and so it, it could just be that the guys that they had earmarked uh, just weren't there. And at that point, it, it didn't make any sense. But it it does it, seem like they're pretty confident in the center position. And and maybe even and maybe what that means is that they know that if Mac retires, they can take that money and just be like, hey, JC Treader, come, come, come home. Come here. I know. I know I, you're in the the treader hive, dude. I'm man. Sure. I've been man. I've been trying to manifest that for six weeks now. Um, yeah. But yeah, if if Mac retires, I I think the I I just don't see why they wouldn't give that money to Treader, have him come in at least for a season because Kyle Shanahan loves him some vet centers, right? Like that is his. That's what he would prefer. And Treader has a lot of time in a system very similar to this with his time in in Cleveland in with Kevin Stefanski. So. I, it just seems like a plug and play. Let's let's get it done. So maybe that's what it is. But the second thing that I feel like I learned is that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan very legitimately believe that this roster is ready to compete for a Super Bowl now and has no holes in their eyes uh, because the, the, the holes that most other people look at and say, hey, here's a hole here, here, and here, they didn't really address them which to me means they don't see him. And hey, albeit for me to tell Kyle Shanahan how to coach a football team or how to put a roster together, but it certainly feels like what we view as holes, they don't necessarily view as holes. So those are the two things that I think I learned. So, okay. I mean, I have two kind of points about this whole thing. And one, I mean, before I get into it, like if I would have told you that the 49ers would have drafted West, Donovan West, let's just say in the fourth round or fifth round. He was graded by some as a top five center coming out this year. If I would have told you that, if I would have said they used, I don't know, their their fifth round pick, which always winds up to be their their gem of the draft, Donovan West, center, fifth round, would you have been like, nice. That was awesome. Like, okay. Yeah, I'd have been on board for that pick. hundred percent. Right? I'd have been like, okay. hey, great value. Cool. Okay. They got him anyway. Yeah. Like sure. as an undrafted free exactly. agent. So exactly. whatever. It doesn't matter where they got him. They got him. I mean, that's and a gamble, then, but yeah, you're right. Sure. It's a gamble, but it worked out. Like you can have gambles either way. You can, you can reach for a player or you can let, try and let him fall. And then secondly, like when you think about holes in this, in this roster and anybody that tells you that, that this organization is. Uh, based upon their moves, punting 
the 2022 season, um, they either one don't know what they're talking about or two, a la Mr. Grant Cohn, they are clickbaiting people and just trying to drive up interaction because the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff is not exactly driving up, uh, you know, their numbers. So no, they are not punting this year, but Brian, just simply like, think about, think about this on defense, defensive line. They had one real need, find somebody to go opposite Nick Bosa. They got it. Linebackers. Did they have a hole? Not really. Didn't need to address it. Cornerbacks. Did they have a hole? Yeah, they kind of did a little bit. They have somebody to go in the slot. And then opposite Charvarius Ward, you got Emmanuel Mosley. You got who could always fill in the slot as well. You got Jason Verrett. And then you have Castro Fields. They Verrett really was post-draft, but yeah. They obviously knew something was coming. Sure. Right. Sure. So they knew they addressed the cornerback position. Yep. And then safety, maybe they really value Odom. And they mm-hmm. have high hopes for more because mm-hmm. they had high hopes for more anyway. They drafted and Hufanga Hufanga. last year. Super yeah. athletic. Okay. So, yeah, there's not really many holes there. Receiver, yeah. if they truly believe Debo's coming back, what was the only thing they really needed? Speed. Th- did they get it? They did. Okay. Offensive line, interior offensive line. Did they draft some guards, some interior? We think so. We're not we sure because so. both the guys they drafted – were listed as tackles. So, you know, but, but, but it does seem that way. Yeah. There's quite, there's quite a few options, mm-hmm. but was there any offensive guard in the top three rounds that the 49ers really had a chance for three Dylan or four Parham. rounds? Dylan Parham from Memphis is the where only he, one. Where'd he go? Do you know? Uh, I don't, but I'm going to mute myself and look, go for it. Good. And so, when you look at interior offensive line, maybe they missed on one, but they're definitely planning for the future. And they addressed it last year and they redshirted a guy that's probably going to fill in. And they hope that Alex Mack is coming back. Like you said, the draft leads you to think that he is for one more year. Quarterback, they didn't really have. Go ahead. Parm, I can see you. Parm went at 90. Went at 90? Which so we're... Were they hoping to draft him? I would say, which actually tells me perhaps Tyrion Davis Price because Parham Parham got drafted by the Raiders at 90. There you go. Sons of bitches. So were were they going to take him at 61? Absolutely not. Did they think he might fall? That's probably what happened, to be honest with you. And they said, hey, here's the deal, guys. This is our guy. This is the one we want in the third. If for some reason he's gone, who would we reach? Like, what's a reach pick that we would take? They probably got shocked, had to do the Davis price pick. It is what it is. Nick Cross. And last, but they obviously felt like the guys they have. Nick Cross hive, man. Would you rather have <laughs> Nick Cross or would you rather have Odom? Uh, I don't know. And the, and the fact Nick that you Cross. can't, <laughs> the fact that, but the fact that to me, you couldn't overwhelmingly say Cross. Yeah. Makes me happy well, and okay yeah. with the fact that what they have. Right. It wasn't just an overwhelming pick because let's just be honest. I mean, the Colts fan base was irate that they let him go. That's true. That's a great point. They were. Okay. So now quarterback, obviously you have Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever, like that really wasn't a need. You, I think we know what's coming. And the last thing is running back. Did they need speed from the outside? No, they didn't. 
did they leave lose Raheem Mostert? Yeah. But is Elijah Mitchell kind of that role? Kind of. Maybe. maybe. And yeah. then you have Hasty, you have Jeff Wilson Jr. You have well, it'll be Sermon. interesting. I would say it'll be interesting to me to see. I, I, I think Hasty's not long for this roster uh, just because of a numbers crunch. And then really, I think it's going to come down to Jeff Wilson Jr. and I probably arguably Trey Sermon because they just drafted Davis Price. Well, I think it's so. going to. Yeah. I mean, you're going to you're going to wind up two of those three guys are probably going to make it right. Because, yeah, yeah, and they used a third round pick on Davis Price. They used a third round pick on Trey Sermon. So mm -hmm. does that out Jeff Wilson Jr.? Yeah, I mean, kind of because he's on a he's essentially on a one year vet minimum deal and he was an undrafted free agent. Right. And so I think they're going to, you know, they're going to essentially what they got in Sermon and, and Davis Price in camp. And if they like what they see, then I think Jeff Wilson I don't think Jeff Wilson is going to make it to a practice squad. I think someone will pick him up and possibly hasty as well. Um, but yeah, I think those, I think the four will be Mitchell, uh, Mitchell, uh, sermon, Davis price. Do they carry five typically fifth being juice? I'm not sure. Maybe they do. And then they're, and then it's Wilson. So yeah, maybe, I don't know, but obviously when we kind of lay it out like that, there's not a lot of, like serious need so everybody that that says the 49ers had a terrible draft that they they don't know what they're doing this regime doesn't understand how to pick i would i would argue on the opposite end and i would Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. i think what they're looking for is not a ton of need in 2022 they're looking for their that three-year window and it takes it it's that is not a spicy fun uh, you know, take that is going to generate a lot of sure. views or clicks or reads or whatever you want to have it. But when you're building a roster, you're not just building for this season, you're building for years to come. Yeah. And you have to have a very staggered uh, set of talent that is able to fill in years to come. Yep. Uh, hey, if the 49ers continue to uh, compete for the, the division, if they continue to make the playoffs, and make the NFC Championship game and potentially play in a Super Bowl, then they're doing something right. And Absolutely. let's just be real. Outside of just devastating injury, two of the last three years, they've played in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. One of those they played in the Super Bowl. They probably, sh- I mean, they're eight minutes away from being in the Super Bowl again. And let's be real. If they would have played against the Bengals, I'm willing to bet they would have beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl this year. Earlier in the season. It it seemed to me that the top three teams in the NFL at the end of the year, like you look at the Rams winning the Super Bowl, the Niners were right there. Mm -hmm. And then you had the Bengals. So, Mm -hmm. I mean. And and arguably the 49ers were a better quarterback play away from the Super Bowl. And now they'll have that. They'll have that. Trey Lance. Enter Trey Lance. So Trey Lance time, baby. I yeah, I am. I'm excited for the season. I know that there are plenty of fans on 49ers Twitter who are not. And hey, by all means, continue to be miserable. That's up to you. Uh, but I, for one, am excited. You know, there are some unknowns in the interior of the offensive line, especially because Mac, we still don't know. Uh, and then the both guard positions. I mean, technically, right guard, you've got Daniel Brunskill, so it's really left guard. But there are some questions along the offensive line. But to me. Those are the only questions. And when it's 
when when your questions are on the interior of the offensive line, but you've got a quarterback back there who can maneuver in the pocket and escape the pocket, there's less pressure on that interior offensive line than there is if Jimmy Garoppolo is back there with his feet cemented to the turf. So, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay with with questions along the interior offensive line that I think will work themselves out in camp. So I'm excited for the season. I know you're excited for the season. We've got an hour and 45 minutes. We should probably wrap this thing up. Uh, we appreciate those of you that uh, were watching live. We've got one live watcher right now. Uh, appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Um, I think we capped out at two, <laughs> but, uh, this was our first live broadcast in, uh, well over a year. Our last one was when we had Oscar Aparicio, uh, formerly of the better rivals podcast on with us. Right. And, I mean, uh, we've, we've joined in, we've joined live, we've right. Other. Like yeah, sprint right options is, and things like mm-hmm. that, but denim dungeon wise, this correct. is, uh, correct. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to continue trying to uh, pump out uh, live content like this. Uh, We will continue to to have our uh, podcast feed on your favorite podcast uh, provider. And then again, uh, we are here on YouTube. If you are watching this uh, after it aired live, hey, smash that subscribe button. It'll let you uh, it will alert you when we go live again. Uh, If you're watching this on Twitter, hey, we appreciate you. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. I am at brennick 77 Tim is at Tim Sprinkles. Very easy to remember. And then, of course, follow the, the podcast uh, Twitter feed. That is at Denim Dungeon. Tim, anything you want to add before we get on out of here? Uh, yeah, one, la- one thing. If uh, you, know, you get an opportunity, our sponsor, you can go to uh, www.eljefetequila.com. E L J E F E T E Q U I L A dot com dot com if you're interested. Um, and again, we appreciate you guys rolling with us. Uh, it's going to be a fun off season. Don't get caught up in the negative, faithful. It's okay. Uh, even if something crazy happens and Debo goes, they're going to be okay. Don't be negative. We got this. The 49ers have a very promising season coming up. Uh, we got this. We're going to do Let's it. Let's get it. Hey, Tim, I'm going to give you a Niners on three. Ready? One, two, three. Niners! Niners!